Welcome to Business Unmuted, a live video business discussion on Wednesday 9th of June. Uh, it's five o'clock and we're live. It's shared on platforms including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today we're joined by three fantastic Northern business figures. Jonathan Lamb, Chief Executive of Entrepreneurs Forum. Joanne Leng, MBE, Deputy Chief Executive of NOF, the Energy Supply Chain of Business. And uh, Jeremy Middleton, CBE, Founder of Middleton Enterprises and a great investor in great businesses. Today we've got a couple of things to talk about, including green technology and the G7 deal. But first, green technology. Yesterday it was announced that American firm Turntide Technologies acquired two Northeast firms, Hyperdrive and BorgWarner Gateshead. Now Turntide is a Silicon Valley venture and its investors include famous business people like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos of Amazon and the actor Robert Downey Jr. Turntide's mission is to replace all the world's motors with smart motor systems so that every watt is worthwhile for humanity. The result is that they've come together with Northeast firms to create their transport division. They've got people that make batteries, they've got people that make inverters that transmit the power from batteries to motors and they themselves make motors. So it's a real uh, green revolution and the northeast of England sees itself at the heart of that. Now let's talk to some of our uh, group of uh, guests about that and other things. Joanne Leng, first of all, you're uh, Deputy Chief Executive of NOF. Oh, this was a hundred million pound deal that was announced for the Northeast just yesterday. I'm sure you welcome it, but is it typical of the kind of things you're seeing going on in your sector? Uh, hi, Graham, and uh, first of all, thanks for uh, inviting me here today. It's great to be on uh, this session with with everyone. Um, Turntide, fantastic announcement for the region around the energy transition space, the low carbon space. So it, it's part of what the northeast of England's trying to achieve in terms of the inward investments. What's going to be really interesting, this announcement it was around the transport sector initially, but it'll be really interesting to see how the, the energy industry in, in the northeast of England embrace this technology, and it really is a game change in technology as well. So just kind of picking up our own space within NOF and Energy Coast, the northeast of England's offshore wind cluster, which NOF runs. So we're, we're heavily involved in offshore wind in the region. And just looking recently at the volume of investment going into the industry, we're talking about mega projects right on our doorstep with Dogger Bank, which is a nine billion investment. You've got Sophia, which is a three billion investment. We've got the Blythe Demonstrator bringing new game-changing innovation into offshore wind with floating developments. So it's all going on at the moment around offshore wind. And what's happening as a result of these local projects is we're getting the inward investors, the key anchor investments now coming in. So, for example, take the GE Blade facility on the Freeport. That's really coming on the back of Dogger Bank and the Freeport announcement as well. So, as I say, Part of the green, the, the green tech, the offshore wind plays a huge role in that investment in northeast England and helping the UK get to that point of net zero by 2050. We'll come back to you on it in a moment, Joanna, with great exposition of what's happening. Jeremy, you're an investor generally in high tech firms and so on. It, it, I was talking to some of the people uh, in America this week because we were very fortunate at recognition of putting out this news of Turntide and the 100 million. And what was uh, interesting is that how the Americans see it, uh, they are determined to have technology solve the challenge of climate change. And there are, there are two routes they see. First of all is the way in which we generate power, whether it's fossil, removing fossil fuel and going to wind, or uh, going to nuclear or solar. But the second challenge was how much power we use. And that's about, in this case, uh, energy efficient uh, uh, motors. 
when you're looking at investors, you must come across a lot of these people who are really determined on this issue of climate change, absolutely passionate about it. Well, I think the whole uh, investment market, and particularly venture capital, is on fire at the moment anyway. Um, there is a flood of money that is coming in. The important part uh, is that in our region, we're able to attract it. And um, this announcement sh shows a very large sums of money coming in from some very glamorous investors, uh, um, but they don't come here without a reason. And the reason is the technology, the skills, uh, and we're creating a cluster here uh, mm. that can have a big dynamic impact. So I think it's, it's fantastic. I think we'll see more of it. And there's a lot more going on at smaller scale. It doesn't get quite the same level of publicity, but it all adds up and it's really uh, building and building. I think it's very exciting. It is quite interesting about that point you make about publicity because uh, yesterday in the Northeast, the government dominated the headlines because it announced £100 million of towns funds to regenerate the high street. We'll probably talk about the high street later. But that got all the headlines because people understand uh, the high street. Uh, here we are talking about some technology. That got some of the headlines. But some of these clusters, we, we have, I, I found there's a Khalifa report, uh, the Ron Khalifa report on um, fintech and the northeast of England and Yorkshire have clusters in fintech, yeah. um, which maybe it's less, less glamorous, less interesting to the general public, but millions and millions are being invested in that. Yeah, and, and think of all the suppliers and the investments they make, and think of the skills that come in, and then we have those skills, so other people come here, uh, and we, we start to get that sort of advantage that uh, Porter used to talk about, the competitive advantage of nations. Mm. Uh, this is where we can be really different. And um, it needs big investments like this, but it has a really big dynamic knock-on effect. Jonathan, you've got 300 plus entrepreneurs in the Entrepreneurs Forum. They own, all, all own their businesses and that, that's a very distinctive group of people. What is their appetite for investment at the moment? Are they wanting more investment, needing more investment, or have they made their investments and now trying to get on with delivering their products and services? Well, there's a, there's a really important um, point here about they, they are investing and looking for investments and, and particularly with hyperdrive Stephen Irish there who's a member of the forum has just got the investments mm -hmm. without which he and his team would be unable to fulfill the business ambitions of that business create employment and and position the region as a center for excellence in battery technology so we're always trying to encourage more entrepreneurs to take those risks and innovate because it's really good for the economy and yes there is a there's a there is a, a drive to achieve the ambition through extra investment and that can be from the us or from you know the uk investors the most important thing from the foreign point of view is enabling those entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level and for me i saw that as a massive vote of confidence not just in the northeast but what what northeast entrepreneurs can do and I think when it comes to what people are doing in their businesses, we're talking about trendy on, on trend subjects, climate change, digital technology. These are on trend subjects, but they actually affect all businesses. Here we are in a, what was a conventional PR firm, but we're sat in a studio because we've, we've done a, a pivot in technology. With NOF, uh, you've got members, haven't you, Joanne, who have conventional products like fabrication, but are applying them to these new on trend uh, markets. Yeah, absolutely, Graham. I mean, if you look at the history of, you know, 
our supply chain, the NOF supply chain in the region. It's come from heavy engineering through to shipbuilding, through to offshore oil and gas, through to offshore wind, and now moving into the energy transition space. So there's companies knowing that they need to contribute to bring it, bringing down the carbon emissions. And that's part of their overall future strategy as well. Jeremy, when you're looking for a candidate company to invest in, I know you will look at what market they're in and what their products are, but what are the attitudes that you're looking for and what are the approaches that you want to see from entrepreneurs that you want to put your money behind? Ambition. Um, people, um, particularly when we're investing in digital businesses, uh, those that can dominate in their sector and then potentially go global, uh, the things with real scale, uh, and then uh, a awareness, high degree of commitment towards uh, digitization. Almost every business is having all its processes or most of its processes digitized. And it's a huge transformation that's going on. And uh, that creates opportunities for the software companies that are doing it. But it's also necessary and for, for companies to do, otherwise they'll be left behind. So the short answer to your question is, more than anything, um, is uh, ambition. And what about the, the way in which people... Uh maybe start to talk about things that are on trend in the way they employ people or on trend in the way they want to pay their pay their suppliers those sometimes aren't always as realistic ambitions as the 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 ambition say for atom bank to be digital only or 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 or, or, or true potential to have uh, 60 billion pounds worth of assets under investment is it as easy to get that culture thing, the aspiration for culture to work in I a think profitable people, way? Uh, uh, my view would be, um, my observation is that um, most businesses um, not only perhaps want to be doing the right thing and seem to do it, but actually regard it as a necessity. Um, whatever that area of on-trend may be, um, uh, sometimes there's a fear of regulation coming. Uh, perhaps they see it as an opportunity in the marketplace customers were interested in buying. Um, but in other areas, um, I mean, if you look at the way um, uh, employers are now having to give more flexibility uh, for working from home, for example, um, actually, um, there are ways where that can be more efficient. But frankly, if you don't offer it in some markets, you won't get the great em employees anymore. And that's quite a recent rapid change. So these things that sound like we've been driven by events or are just trendy, actually, there's normally hard commercial reasons behind them. And that's why I think there's real legs behind all of this. Let's marry this all together with some of the stuff on money. Let's talk yeah. about the G7 deal. Now, the G7 deal uh, was struck at the weekend, really. The G7 group of advanced economies forged this deal, enforcing a global minimum corporate tax rate of 15% for businesses. Now, that means tech giants like Amazon and Facebook are among those likely to be affected. And the Chancellor today, this Wednesday, has already started to ask for exemptions for the City of London. So this deal, it's, it's, it's nice first read, you know, that there's no corporation going to be paying low rates of corporation tax in Western democracies. But there's a lot more negotiation to go through, isn't there? I'll go to you first, Jeremy. What was your initial take on the news you heard from these finance ministers? I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, I'm in principle in favour of uh, uh, low taxation. But uh, more than that, I'm in favour of um, everybody paying their fair share. So um, for all those of us who uh, choose to invest and openly pay their taxes in the UK, it is more than galling 
how many multinationals will choose to reallocate all their costs uh, to markets where there's high taxation and go to very low taxation regimes. Uh, I, I think if government's going to do that, I think, it, I think it's the right thing to do. Frankly, um, I think it could be higher than that. Mm. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of, of this direction of travel. And, you know, in our region, we all talk about the wicked um, um, uh, digital companies. But actually, um, some of our biggest, uh, what used to be our biggest companies are no longer here. Ask yourself where the headquarters of Procter & Gamble is that used to be proudly based in Newcastle. And, and the answer is, it's in Geneva. Okay. And ask yourself why. And what, 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 just to amplify that point, what is the tax rate they're likely to be paying? Is it significantly? I less? have no idea that I've done a special deal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's close to nil. Yeah. I mean, they'll pay lots of taxes and they're an extremely ethical company mm. in, 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 in every other way. But the, um, the way that works is uh, they've moved to somewhere, they've done a special deal, mm. perfectly legal. But the fact remains, if companies like them don't pay, and, I'm not, and, and they may do, by the way. I, I, I don't have a particular insight. I'm just saying what was behind that move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they don't pay and the likes of Amazon don't pay, uh, then uh, why should the rest of us? Yeah. So in principle, what do you think, Jonathan, when you've seen this G7 deal? Do you agree with what Jeremy says, that in principle it's right, that we have a, a more level playing field? I think, it, I think it's got to be what you want. If you're putting your life and soul into a business, whether you've founded the business and own it or whether you're working for the company, you want a level playing field, don't you? Mm. And that, that principle has got to be the best for everybody. Then, then you genuinely start to have a situation where if you are responding to the market quickly and properly and servicing customers, then you're going to do very well. And that produces tax revenue, which can then be invested in the other things that make society productive and fair, etc. And what I've been struck by is, apart from a few voices, the lack of dissent about what's been agreed, which mm. is really quite insightful. Actually, this government intends to put corporation tax up to 25%. And yeah. you could argue that's too much, particularly if you look, Joanne, at the kind of investments your members are going to have to make uh, to get their businesses rolling. But on the other side of the coin, they've got these super deductibles, haven't they? Uh, these super deductions. Are you feeling, feeling that there's a right balance coming up between tax on profits and tax relief on investments? Joanne? Yeah, I mean, I'm with the guys as well on this. There's got to be a full and fair system in place in the UK, um, regardless of sector as well. And if you take, you know, the energy industry and the amount of uh, taxation on on the oil industry and what goes back into 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 the coffers kind of thing, you've got you've got to look at that position on this as well. Okay, um, Jeremy, just just on the digital stuff, the the government this government introduced this digital uh, services tax two percent. But there's a there's a quirk, isn't there? I mean, maybe you haven't followed it, uh, but maybe you've followed it as well. That if this comes in, this fifteen percent, uh, our corporation tax rate could be seen as higher, but the digital services tax element might be absorbed here, and it may it, we may end up, according to some of the yeah. news press, yeah. The I mean, I think services paying uh, less. I, I think the chancellor deserves some credit for uh, having introduced or said he's going to introduce a digital tax in order to get this on, on the table. The United States weren't paying much attention to it before. Mm. I mean, a small matter of a change of government there, which helps. Um, so I think it may fall away and be replaced by this. Um, and uh, providing it catches the digital companies, which it should do, it's much better. Will you um, think I mean, uh, I, ironically, though, I note that um, there's talk of an exemption for companies that make less than 10%. Well, 
if you, I, I suspect Amazon makes less than 10%, but it makes vast, vast, vast amounts of, <laughs> of, of profitability. So, you know, there'll be multiple anomalies in principle. Yeah. A higher benchmark is better and it may well have to fall away. And it might be that you get Ireland and the uh, Ireland dissenting and when it gets the G20, it can't get ratified because it's not good just seven countries doing it, although they are the richest seven. You need a wider range, don't you? Uh, Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to do and no doubt there'll be compromises all over the place. But as far as I'm aware, this is the first time, at least at this level, this has been agreed. And I think we'll have a high level of confidence that some version of it will come in and... uh, uh, what we need is something which is a benchmark to start. It's a bit like when income tax first came in. Uh, you, you may remember, not saying you're that old, Graham, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think it was seven pence in the pound or something. Well, um, taxes only go one way, don't they? Yeah, and it was also temporary. That's the other thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. One, one right. last thing on tax. I, I'm, not, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna give Jonathan the last word on this. Uh, there is one tax that thankfully the government isn't talking about much anymore. And that's entrepreneurs' relief. Mm-hmm. It's surely better for business uh, and, and your cohort of business owners that they're talking about corporation tax on the basis of revenue and profits rather than sales tax for entrepreneurs who've put their life's work into their business. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning uh, of today that tax is used as an incentive, isn't it? You know, and you've got to incentivise the right type of behaviour. So the, anything that prevents risks being taken and stifles innovation, that, that's got to be a bad thing. Like just in, instinctively, that's got to be a bad thing. I think just over a year ago, maybe 15 months ago, we were talking about, well, if the current system isn't working quite as we expected, don't trash it, just change it and tune it and fine tune it. And I, th- I think over a year ago, that's what was going to happen. But the, 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 the agenda's moved on. Yeah. And I think in, in a healthy way. All right. Well, Jonathan, Joanne, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. There'll be another Business Unmuted Live next week.